0: Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast. This is episode 47, uh, and today we're going to be talking about becoming an officer. Uh, This is something that uh, a friend of mine, Jeff Bayless, uh, has done in real life. Uh, You guys all know his story if you've listened to the Evolution episode and kind of seen what he's doing uh, with his podcast, The Evolution, and, and all the talks that he does, but uh one discussion we had based on an article he wrote recently uh was just doing the episode of hey like officer session programs, sailors are always asking like how can I become an officer um we're we're focusing a little less in the discussion piece on the nuts and bolts and the and the program specifics which I'm going to talk about generally here in a second um but you really need to spend the time exploring these things and do it with an expert right uh Jeff's going to talk about the general process and and kind of the why behind what you're doing when you're making that decision Uh, and then feel free. And he encourages you to do so uh, to reach out to him, check the show notes for all his contact info um, to, for a mentor for, to get advice on how to do it. But uh, also depending on the program you're applying for, you're going to want a a, a program specific mentor, right? So if you want to go to the Naval Academy, go find a Naval Academy grad and they can help you step through that process. Um, So, like always, I'm going to start where I always start with topics like this, which is the instruction. Uh, It hasn't changed much uh, in quite some time. The last time the instruction was signed out was 2009. Uh, So it's OPNAV instruction 1420.1 Bravo. Uh, that's cu- the current revision. It could get updated. There's definitely some, uh, nav admins that come out sometimes and you got to always check the board pages and all those other things, uh, that could have some clarifying guidance that could change some of the things. And generally when those nav admins come out, just like with the chiefs board, the guidance in the nav admin will supersede what you may read in the OPNAB instruction, which can be confusing. So you need to make sure you've got a great grasp on this instruction. All right. It's the Enlisted to Officer Commissioning Programs Application Administrative Manual. That's the, the meat and potatoes of it. Um, but you need to make sure that you're reviewing the instruction and you have a great grasp on that. And then you're also making sure you're checking the, the page specific to your program. Go to NPC and kind of explore that. I've got again, I got some links and resources in the show notes, so definitely check those out. But Get a mentor, because that that's the person that's going to guide you through this type of the of process and, and those little idiosyncrasies that exist, right? Because there's definitely some things that can be missed based on a NAV admin kind of being an update to the instruction, but not being written in. So make sure you take the time to go through this book, okay? There's a lot here, um, and what you'll see when you get into it in the table of contents is there's an introduction, and then they have the officer programs application instruction. So you're going to use the same application for all of these programs, but it's it's gonna have different boxes checked and different requirements for different programs. So so chapter two is basically like a, a general how to fill out the application instructions, okay, in general. And then you need to check the chapter on your specific program for the again like the specifics and the little idiosyncrasies for for what your program requires of you on those applications. Uh, so chapter three US Naval Academy or NAPS which is the preparatory school uh, in Newport, Rhode Island. So they, there's several different paths to get to the Naval Academy. Check those out. If that's if that's your goal, make sure that you understand that. Um, there's also some other things that. Uh, so like a friend of mine is a senior chief, and he's his child is eligible to go to the Naval Academy uh, based on just him being a chief and like an active duty chief in the Navy that's going to retire. So check. There's all kinds of different paths. So make sure you're exploring all those things. Uh, Officer candidate school program uh, is chapter four. So that's like you have a degree and you can apply to get commissioned uh, that way. Um, There's some other pieces to that program. So make sure that you again, you're going through those chapters. I am not some kind of high level expert on officer session programs. I applied for Uh, The limited duty officer program twice when I was a first class and it was a long time ago. (laughs) Same instruction, but it was a long time ago. Uh, So I'm far from a high level expert on this. I'm happy to help in any way that I can uh, or point you in the right direction or help you find a mentor. But just understand that finding a mentor is step one. All right. After reviewing the instruction. Uh, so you get the medical enlisted commissioning program. Uh, that's got a bunch of cool stuff in it. Um, they, I, I love the, the medical field seems to have a really robust program because you have that and then you have medical service core in service procurement program. Uh, so one's called like MECPS, MECP. And then the second one is called MSC two totally different programs that you can get commissioned in all kinds of different ways between those two programs into like medical administration fields you can be like a physician's assistant and a nurse and there's all these really cool programs for uh people with medical backgrounds and it's not limited to hospital corpsman only so that's a that's an important distinction like my last cslpo on a submarine was uh he he had a nursing degree from the philippines so it's it's not you know that could apply you you've got to explore the program the program requirements get a mentor talk to those people figure out the path and what translates and what's required and maybe you got to take some classes and finish some things and then you 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 know become more competitive or can the the, each one is going to have like kind of precepts or things that they're looking for Um, they are all very competitive so keep that in mind as well like you need to be performing at a high level Limited duty officer and chief warrant officer program. Uh, That's a big one for guys that have been around a while. So limited duty officer, you're going to be an actual commissioned officer, chief warrant officer. You're like kind of a a technical expert in the middle there. Uh, Don't have a lot of experience with warrants in the submarine community. Luckily, I I did encounter something more than most probably do uh, because of the special programs platform I was on. And then uh, when I was at an A school, we had a food service warrant as our site director. But just it's a pretty cool program it's like you, there's designators that are very specific to your current rating uh and it's stuff that you can basically go on and be a division officer and do some other really cool things within your career field if the technical expertise piece in whatever you do is what you're passionate about and then the probably the most famous one right Seaman to admiral so that's the one they're they're looking for high performing junior sailors that are are still very multiple and early on in their career apply for that program and get directly commissioned into a ton of different programs. And that's not just line officers. like, there's a ton, a ton of different programs you can do through state 21. So again, a lot in this instruction, a ton of information, make sure you digest it. You, you're, I mean, you need to print out the stuff specific to your program and specific to filling out the application, print out a button like application, highlight things, take notes take it seriously, put a binder together, and then go find a mentor and show them how serious you, serious you are about getting uh, selected for an officer program. Because that's a big part of it too. They, they want people that want to be there. And it's it's specifically difficult. Like they made it difficult on purpose in a way, right? Where they, they don't want like the whole world applying. They want people that really want to be there. They want to procure the best and the brightest that are very passionate about getting commissioned in whatever program you're applying for. And they are all very competitive because there's a lot of high functioning sailors in the enlisted force that, that want to get commissioned and that are going to take the time and go through all the pain of learning all these things, finding a mentor and, and doing what they need to do to get through these programs and get commissioned. So, um, Digest the instruction. There's some ch- really helpful checklists in the appendixes and some other guidance for the individual programs, uh, little reference list for like the officer communities and designators list. So it tells you a lot of the data just that uh, applies to whatever program or, or designator that you're applying for. Okay. So really helpful stuff. Again, go to NPC and explore those pages as well. I put a bunch of links in the show notes uh, for the specifics. That's as granular as i'm gonna get with the details of officer session programs because i am not an expert on officer session programs i can give you a little bit of guidance and help you work through it. I have filled out an application twice. It's been a while, but I've done it. And I, I had a mentor back then, and I remember a few things. But a guy like Jeff Bayless is the guy that you need to, to seek out and get this kind of guidance from. Um, he was a deck LDO, so that's that's his specific field. He got commissioned as a limited duty officer. So if you're looking to be an LDO, he's a guy that can help you out. Um, if you're looking to be a nurse, if you're looking to be a, a a line officer or some kind of staff corps officer, go seek out mentors. There's a ton of resources. Social media is a great platform for that as well. Uh, I've referenced a few, a few times in the past, the group basic mentoring on Facebook. Um, it can be a little perilous sometimes. Reddit, the the Navy subreddits, probably a good spot to ask those questions too, or there's probably a Navy sub Reddit for officer programs, I would guess. I'd have to go look. But just those types of resources where there's a large group of people monitoring those things, just Shoot up a flare. Hey, I'm looking for a mentor in this designator uh, or for this program. Can anybody help me out? And even if they're not local to you, that's what FaceTime and Skype and email and phone calls are for. Like, it would be great if you had a local mentor at your local, like, hospital if you want to be a nurse or whatever. And I encourage you to go just seek those things out. Just make cold calls, call up the nursing desk and say, Hey, is there any officers that were assessed through this program? I'm looking for a mentor. Very rarely going to get told no. So unless there's just not an availability. So just go seek those things out. And then again, like I got a lot of friends that have been commissioned through a lot of different programs. So just reach out to me and I I can connect you to, but use all of the resources, ask all of the questions, ask the officers at your command, if they're friends with any officers, if you're trying to be like a JAG Corps officer or something, right? Like there's a lot of them out there. And like I interface with a lot of different uh people now that i didn't in the past so if you go ask like a senior chief or a master chief or you go ask like uh an officer that you know was prior enlisted like hey do you know any of these people they probably do or they know who to ask so uh find a mentor that's one of the like and jeff says it too that's one of the biggest things to set you up for success to get selected for the program that you're looking to get selected for Uh, So with that, I won't continue to belabor the points. Um, Hit us up if you have questions. As always, don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message me. Don't give up the shit podcast or you can DM us on Instagram or Reddit, ask questions in the subreddit, whatever. Um, And then hit up uh, Jeff. All his contact stuff is in the show notes. uh, And let's get to the interview. All right. So. uh like we talked about, right? If anybody needs background on you, episode 42, the evolution interview with Jeff Bayless, that's got your whole story, which is an amazing one. And I highly recommend checking that out. But for this one, we're talking about uh, like the desire for a sailor to be an officer and kind of like the the why behind that and, and a little guidance on the decision making process. And because uh, you, you wrote an essay, I read it and was immediately like, yes, we need to talk about this too, because it's a, it's the thing that, I think junior sailors want to like it's a conversation they want to have before they go through the actual process of and it probably prevents a lot of sailors from doing it because they don't ever get to dissect this, like the motivation behind it and what you're really getting yourself into. Um, So kind of overcoming the mental hurdles to actually going through the process of what's in the 1420.1 and applying for officer programs.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I don't wanna to get too much into my background, but it probably is worth mentioning that, you know, I made chief, I sure. was a chief for a couple of years, then I was commissioned as an LDO for eight years and then reverted back to chief. And like you said, that whole story's there. Uh, but that kind of gives the listeners some idea of my perspective towards right. uh why I wrote that essay and why I think, you know, we should all start with why in applying for a commissioning program. A lot of sailors I I feel like um As first classes or young chiefs, they apply for commissioning programs because either they want the uniform shift, the legacy, the hand salute. You know, they they've known somebody that was a pretty good officer. And so they thought, okay, well, I want to be like this person. Right. I want to I want to emulate that that leader that's been uh, important in my my life or in my career. And so. You know, that's that's why we put in packages, because we think that's the next thing we're supposed to do, you know. And I just want to I think we should start with why, you know, why do you want to commission? Why is it that you're applying for this program? And the first part of that is understanding the program. You know, it's it's understanding what you're applying for. So the first start of understanding what you're applying for is knowing the program. You know, I'm sure that you can look at all the resources. You know, you can look at the the instruction, and you know, there's definitely the how and the what. But a lot of sailors don't ask themselves why and I really understand what what they're getting themselves into. Like you said, right. so you know, part of that is understanding what jobs are you going to be applying. You know, if if you're selected, what does that actually mean? Like, what are you going to do? And I can only speak from my experience. You know, there's a certain uh, career progression for a, a deck LDO, you know, so that's ship's bosun, ship's assistant first lieutenant on an aircraft carrier, uh, maybe on a on a big deck amphib. Then you're going to be like a detachment OIC at maybe one of the amphibious squadrons. Then you're going to go to in serve or the safety center. You know, you're going to be at sea for a long time. You know. And, and there's not going to be a lot of time for you to focus on college and family and maybe it's a good time in the season of your life to do those things. maybe it's not you know maybe it's not a good fit for you right now and then the the second part that i I wrote about in the essay was, okay, so let's say you do understand what the jobs you're signing up for is going to be right or what they are going to be going forward. The second part of that is you need to be you need to understand as soon as you get commissioned that you need to be able to assume those roles immediately. There, there's no school that's going to, you know, you can go to knife and fork school up in Newport, Rhode Island. They'll teach you how to write a, a, a white paper, um, yeah. but they're not going to teach you how to stand officer of the deck on an aircraft carrier. Right. You know, they're not going to teach you uh, how to stand well to a control officer. If you have no amphibious experience as a deck LDO, and then we send you to an LSD to be a, a ship's bosun, and you don't have that experience. Well, you need to, I mean, there are certain things you cannot do until you become commissioned, right? So, officer of the deck maybe isn't the best example. Right. But there are certain things that you need to have some background and experience in so that when you commission, you know, you can assume that title of food service officer, you know, or, or, uh, you know, whatever it is in the plant, you know, whatever. EOW, You need to be engineering officer of the watch qualified so that when you report to that DDG or that CG or whatever that ship is that. You have the qualifications because the qualifications speak for themselves and that you can assume that role immediately. Otherwise, the detail is going to have a real hard time assigning you to those billets. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And and I'm assuming like the best way to get those things are like qualifications, if you're eligible to do them, do them. But... The, to find out the what your job's actually going to be like is to just go seek those people out in the designator that you want or whether it's like you're going to put in an OCS package to be a SWO or you're going to do an LDO or a warrant program. Go find those people in your designator and try to shadow them, ask them about those things, sit down and, and work through those questions with them to figure out that that's, in fact, the, a job you want to do.
1: Yeah, and that was the last paragraph of that essay. And that okay. was probably the most important. And the reason is... I think what a lot of people do when they're applying, like, like I said, one is, you know, you just think it's the next pay grade. So that's what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, the, the next thing we do is we, we find out the instruction and how to apply and then we do that. But, but maybe we do the research on what qualifications we need to have. And then maybe we even understand, um, uh, what the jobs are going to be. And yet we fail to extend a lifeline to a person that's been there to ensure that we've had those conversations about, you know, the nuances of being commissioned. Right. And it's yeah. and understanding the role. There is a difference in the role of an LDO. There's a difference in the role of a chief warrant officer. There's a difference in the role of a senior chief, master chief. You know, all of these things are vital. The Navy needs good chiefs. Right. You know, the Navy's yeah. chiefs that are going to get out there and chief hard and focus on the development of sailors.
0: Yeah, so that's something that I was going to ask, too. So when you were talking about the why, right, like, do what what exactly is the role like the differences in the roles? Right. So, like, if you're asking yourself, what, like, do I want to be an officer? Like, why? why am I doing this? Can you talk a little bit about the differences in, like, the practical application every day? like differences between the role of a chief and the role of an officer as far as like leadership management. And then like the actual job stuff, I think that they'll gain by exploring what you just talked about. But like, how mm-hmm. well, how is it different being a leader and a manager when you're a chief and then when you're you're an officer?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think as an LDO, which is my experience, uh, and I, I have very, I have a lot of friends that are warrant officers. So i I've, I've seen it through that lens of just being friends with them, you know, and actually working with them. Um, as a warrant officer and as an LDO, primarily you're more concerned with programs. It's more an LDO is more concerned with programs. Um, you know, you're a technical expert, you're an advisor to the captain on the programs um, that are within your designator, right? And so, you know, you're a leader in those programs and you can facilitate leadership through standing whatever these uh, you know CIC watch officer tactical action officer officer of the deck uh, crane officer mogas officer wella control officer right so you're you're worried about these programs primarily you're you know it you know i think another thing that we should talk about though too is that some of these lines have been blurred in the last maybe 10 years, right? Yeah. And you see chiefs doing things that LDO and warrants used to do, and you see LDOs and warrants doing things that chiefs used to do, and it's, it's kind of a, a blended uh, yeah. situ- situation as of now. Um, but as a chief, you know, and having this unique experience of coming back to the mess, I, am, I definitely want those ships to certify. I definitely want every evolution to be completely safe. I definitely want to ensure that if I'm launching a boat that you know we have a good lee and you know that the davit is operational and that we have qualified people in the boat and all of these things, right? But I'm more worried about the development of those under my charge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like
0: that, my, which I think that's where you should be as as a chief is like that's to me that's like our only job is taking care of our people so they can take care of the mission and i think it sh- everything should be focused around that and like you were saying like bigger picture management programs operations stuff like that would be the role of the officer
1: yeah and it's not to say uh, as a chief petty officer that you don't have influence on those things you know sure. a chief a chief is expected to be a technical if i walk on a ship and there's a bmc on that ship i expect him to mm-hmm. be a technical expert in every facet of deck evolutions i do i expect right. that however there is an emphasis on the development of sailors.
0: Yeah. Do you think that, I guess where I was going with that is the way that I think about it is, is by blurring those lines, Mm -hmm. we're taking away bandwidth from a chief that needs to be focused on technical expertise and institutional expertise so they can take care of their and develop their sailors. Right. So if I'm trying to push them towards more officer like roles, it's like they've got enough to do, man. Like, I feel like I feel like there's definitely a lot of things that were put on my plate uh, that I'm like, Why, what am I doing this for? Like I've got right. there's people that should be owning these programs and doing these things. And I've already got enough on my plate as a department chief that I don't need to be doing these things. I need to be taking care of my people.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say I completely disagree with you because I think everything is situational. I think it depends yeah, sure. on what your rate is, what command you're at, what unit, yeah. you, you know, what, what all that is. Um, I caution uh, people to push back when somebody gives you an opportunity to do something outside of your realm of what is expected the social norm right so right right you know if somebody asks a chief to write an instruction for the ship because they're the right person to do that job i think a chief should do that
0: yeah no yeah. i agree with you yeah i just yeah i i think when when we start to build some of those things into the like institutional and organizational norms where it's mm-hmm. like where we're saying like well chiefs are responsible for this it's like because eh. i think <laughs> I think mm-hmm. having the freedom to do what you just said, like in a, a situationally, like if I got, you know, BMC over here, that's the best person equipped to do this, then they should be doing that. But exactly I, like it shouldn't be a, just an expectation that all of this administrative burden is going to fall on chiefs all the time.
1: Well, you know may not I'm, be the best person for it. You know, I'm never going to have a conversation with you and I'm not going to reference a book. Right. So, ah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so Ray Dalio wrote uh, Principles and uh, I would highly encourage anybody that. Even if you don't want to read the book, just Google Ray Dalio principles, and you can download the PDF, which is like an outline, which is a shortened version of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Cliff Notes version there's there's a lot in that book. But the Cliff Notes version of that book is that he created a meritocracy within his um, financial investment company, right? And so you know, meritocracy he you know basically promoted people based on their merit, not on their. Um, um, I probably should Google what the word meritocracy means, but the point is that.
0: Yeah, I'm with, it's just merit-based organization. Yeah, based on your ability, not so much your rank and so. Or like seniority, like how long you've been around. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah, your tenure or anything like that, right? So, you know, once I read that book, it came came in my life right at a time that I was reverting back to Chief as well. Yeah. And so I was like, man, you know, There are roles and we need to know what those roles are. And, you know, as we start, like I said in the essay, like you start rubbing elbows with like these tribes of mentors that are really good at what they do. Well, you know, there's also dirtbags in every rank. (laughs) I mean, there are deck LDOs that got selected that are not good at their job. And there are chiefs that if they put in a warrant officer package, you know, that they would be outstanding bosons, you know, and. I'm a chief petty officer and I'm telling you that let me not break my arm patting myself on my back, but right. I have more now it sounds like I'm egotistical and I've gotta remind myself <laughs> to be humble, but you know what I mean? Like I don't I think we get wrapped up on this um this role just a little too much, and that's why sailors put in packages that they may not necessarily want to put in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or or maybe they're just putting it in because they think that, okay, I see this officer over here that's doing this job and I'm actually better at that job than they are. So I want to put in a package just so I can spite, you know, them yeah. or, you know, does that make like, yeah. Cause
0: I think a lot of people that, that go down that, that thought experiment <laughs> is, <laughs> is like, they think that, but then they get in the role and realize they were happier where they were like, yeah, you may be better at that thing than that junior officer who's still figuring it out or then an LDO who should be good at it. But isn't for whatever reason, it's like, they, Oh, I'm going to go do that then. Cause I'll get paid more money to be better at it than him. But then it's like in, when they get in that position, they realize, Oh, I really, I really liked being a mate or a CS or whatever enlisted. And that's where my, my heart was. And that's where I should mm-hmm. still be kind of thing. And yeah.
1: Yeah. And that, that takes some soul searching too. You know, I mean, that takes some, um, uh, some wherewithal, some, some self-awareness of what drives you. You know, yeah. Again, start with why. You know, Simon Senex book, yep. start with why. Like what motivates you? What's what, actually- what got me
0: Yeah, that's what got me with the the chief thing was like so I applied for the LDO program twice through the supply designator and uh it was as a first class and I had a commander that he was like my my mentor through the process and he kept saying because he was a cook and he was just like, We gotta get you selected and I was like, Why are you so like motive-? he's like if you make chief, we're gonna lose you. He's like, you're gonna love being yeah. a chief. He's mm-hmm. like, you're gonna like it too much. And so, and sh- you know, sh- <laughs> sure as sure as it, 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 it happened. So like, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to drop an S bomb, but I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, so yeah. it was. Uh, he kept saying that over and over again. We put the two packages in. I just, I didn't have enough there yet. I was really young, um, but I got selected for chief uh the the next the year after my second package wasn't you know wasn't selected um and i just loved it man and i but that is how i discovered my why right Mm -hmm. so like all i care about is taking care of of junior sailors and to once i was i spent a year getting familiarized with the role of a chief by doing It was like, why would I ever want to do anything else? Like, I just was like, this is what I want to do. And I'm afraid. And through having conversations where it was kind of confirmed that, yeah, like, you'll still have access to sailors and the job is somewhat what you make it. But it's like, that's a chief's job. Like the thing you're describing being so passionate
1: about, that's a chief's job. And so I just was like, "Ah, well, I guess I'm a chief then. (laughs) I guess that's what I'm going to do. Well, I mean, I'll I'll tell you that I personally pushed uh, some people into putting in packages when I was early on commission um, mm-hmm. because you're you just think that it's for everybody you know like yeah. why why wouldn't you want to do this just like there are chiefs right. when i made ldo in the other podcast i talked about it but i put in my ldo packages. as i was going through chiefs initiation and yeah 90 percent of those chiefs were like you're a quitter you're an anchor chugger like why would you want to do that like yeah. you don't you don't want to be on our team and uh i think we all try to because we see it as the best thing for us that it's, we project that onto others as if it's the best thing for them.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: And And so it's all personality based. I mean, are you, are you the kind of person that you don't see it? it, You have to ask yourself, you know, what, what do you see yourself doing? That's going to bring you joy in life. That's going to give you fulfillment. Is it about developing people? Is it about helping them through their problems? You know, or is it about, uh, I mean, obviously, like we said, the, the job goes without saying as a chief. Like you should be able to do your job, right? But really, the emphasis is on, is on the development. And so, is that is that what you is that what brings you joy talking to people? You know, spending the time having these conversations that we're having, right? Or is your do you see your joy? Do you see your passion in being able to drive an aircraft carrier in the middle of the Persian Gulf? Like, does that bring you joy right. knowing that you're in command of this? You know, huge yeah. large vessel and you know able to orchestrate and i'll tell you like that's why it goes back to knowing the job right and knowing what you're getting into because i really enjoyed being a ship's bosun i did not like driving an aircraft carrier i didn't enjoy it
0: i was gonna ask you like to base your journey's unique and obviously there's there's a lot to it but like if if it's gonna be a hard question to answer but if you can Mm -hmm. like what Do you you, where do you think your home actually was like you've done you've been a chief, you you've been an officer for a long period of time, and then you got to go back to being a chief again. So it's Mm -hmm. almost like you got to do it for a little while. You got to go be an officer. And then in the uh, in the event that you didn't like being an officer, you got to go back and be a chief after gaining all that wisdom. So it's like you you have both perspectives and you're back in in that role as a chief now it's like where do you think your your heart is like where do you you think you made the right decision and if you if if none of these things had happened would you have happily continued in your role as an ldo and that would have been it or would you have a little bit of like yearning to man i kind of wish i would have stayed a chief and and went down that road
1: yeah that's a great question that is going to be hard to answer uh because you know everything happens to you just sound cliche everything happens to you for
0: For a a reason reason, yeah, yeah sure it
1: doesn't happen to you it happens for you Right. Um, You know, me losing my commission was like you had that episode, the humble pie. You know, I mean, that was me Mm -hmm. eating my humble pie. And so it taught me a lot of humility. Now, had I had I had the humility and the service mind that I have now, like I would I don't even think I would. And this may hurt some people's feelings, but I would probably go CMC route. Yeah. You know, because I I feel like I'd be a great command master chief. I really do. Right. I'm all about service. I'm all, I'm wide open. I'm completely vulnerable. Um, yeah, but I wasn't that way at that time. You know, I was. Right, I, I was right. more worried about the technical publications, and I think it's like a, uh, you know, like a scale of justice or a pendulum swing, where like your leadership is, you know, high on one one arc, and then on the other arc, your technical ability is high, and so it's not to say that they both can't be extremely high, but to answer your question, I think for me personally, I'm chiefing very hard and I'm very happy being a chief.
0: Yeah. You know and I, mean? I, but I don't, yeah. like you said, I don't, you, had it, had you never went through what you did to get to where you are now? It's like, would you have still been a great command master chief? Like who knows? Cause that process is what gave you all those tools and that exactly perspective that you have now. So it's yeah. like, yeah, that's well, and, yeah. And,
1: you know, I think, you know, like I, I brought up the the point of like, you're in a relationship with everything. Right. And so part mm-hmm. of, Part of understanding that you're in a relationship with everything that you're doing in your life, you're in a relationship with your work, your family, whatever you're in a relationship with, part of that is knowing that if you really love what you do, you have to know that it's going to change. Yeah. Do You know what I mean? Like you're in, a, in four years from now, your relationship with your spouse is going to change and you just have to love them for who they are, not what they are in the moment, right? Yeah. Does that make sense or is it too uh, too nuanced? No, I'm with you. I'm with you. So like your relationship with your job or your career in the Navy, you know, you like, I don't love the chief's mess or the wardroom. I love the Navy and I love my ability to be of service in the Navy, however that looks. Yeah. So if that's a podcast, if that's wearing anchors and going CMC, if it's going to the wardroom, you have to answer your own call to adventure to find that. But it's going to change too.
0: Yeah, it it may (laughs) change. You're speaking to me right now, man. Like I like we were talking earlier about. um, Well, not earlier, like it would would have been offline, like after the last podcast, we were talking about me going through the process in my mind of is like, is it okay for me to retire? (laughs) And it's like, Mm though, I think the reason I'm holding on to it is the reasons you were describing where it was like, it's almost like an ego thing where I just like I want to put on a cookie and I want to put on a second star. But it's Mm -hmm. like can I make a bigger impact by just diving in with both feet to this platform and and expanding it and making that impact? Like you just described it where it's like, I can still be of service through this platform. And the more and more I do this, the more and more I believe that it's, I can do it on a larger scale and reach more people and help more people. And if I free up all my bandwidth to do that, I can, I can really get this thing to be something that helps a lot more and, makes a bigger impact than i could if i stayed on active duty and so i'm just like "Ah," you know but then there's that that the string i'm still getting my heartstrings pulled a little bit too it's like i just want to i also want to say yes to everything so it's like i want people that are people that are pushing me to to stay in and be a cmc it's like i want to say yes to that too because i can i do and i i'm very well aware i can make an impact there too
1: well I'll i'll tell you right now for me personally if the navy told me like Hey Jeff, we're going to make you a senior chief, eligible for master chief, and then you can apply for um, CMC. I would stay in the Navy. Yeah. Uh, and 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 I I I honestly, I think I can make more money outside of the Navy on September 11th when I retire. Right. I, I sure. know that to be true, but I would I would stay just because I love it. You know, yeah. just because I love what I do every day on the deck plates with the sailors. Plus I have a cool job, man. Like it's, it's very, it's cool. Like I enjoy it. Um, but here's the thing, right? So we all have burdens in life. We all have problems. It's deciding what problems you're willing to deal with. What problem are you willing? So if you exit the Navy or if you put in a commission or if you stay in the chief's mess, or if you stay as a first class and retire at 20 years, you're still going to have problems. It's what problems are you willing to deal with? What, what burdens are you willing to shoulder and say, okay, well this is, Something that I'm okay with having this problem, right? So if I go to the wardroom, I may not like my job, but my paycheck will be more. Well, okay. Are you willing to shoulder the burden of not liking your job, but making more money?
0: Yeah. yeah. Are
1: you willing to shoulder that burden? If you are, go for it. You know what I mean? I don't know that you'd be the best officer in the Navy, but, you know, because again, you're not, I go back to intentions always, but if you're willing to accept that problem, you know, you just have to ask yourself, what problems are you willing to accept? You know, yeah. what, what are you willing to say? Okay. You know, I, I don't get to wear a uniform every day, you know, cause that's cool, right? Like you have this automatic yeah. purpose, you have this automatic Damn purpose man. when you put that uniform on, you could go sweep a deck on a submarine and that's all you did all day. But because you wore the American flag and you, somebody said, thank you for your service while well, you yeah. were going through the, you know, Walmart. Well, you can't go through Walmart right now, but... <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It'll be, it'll be it was, an interesting experience.
1: But you get what I'm saying? Like, you know, you yeah, have the automatic yeah, yeah, yeah. service. Like, and so it's like, okay, sure. what problems am I willing to deal with? What, what mm. am I willing to say, okay, I'm willing to do this job I may not like because it pays more. Or I'm willing yeah. to take the risk of not making as much money because it's so much more rewarding. Or these are these expectations that people are telling me I could be a CMC, but my calling is really over here to write a book and be a public speaker. You know? Yeah. And what is your calling? And that, that's a hard question for anybody. Um, but again, yeah, man. <laughs> it's, it's what problems are you willing to deal with as opposed yeah. to what am I supposed to do? I think that's, right. that's where I feel we like get caught up with. Yeah. For
0: me, the second question is what I'm struggling with. Cause it's, if you think about like, sure, there's problems, but it's like, I'm just, they're both – it's almost like picking from, from two really good things that I'm really happy about. So, it's like mm-hmm. – it's tougher for me because it's like there's not there's, – sure, there's downfalls. Obviously, everybody in the military makes sacrifices. If I stay in and go, go be a cop, I'm going to be deploying, right? Yeah, probably be doing it with small children. So, there's definitely things there that I, I have to be willing to live with. But um, it's like there, there's always going to be something. So, it's kind of like I'm looking at it more through the like, which one am I going to regret less?
1: (laughs) Like, well, if I like pass up an opportunity
0: or... I'm one of the few
1: people that will ever tell you do not make a pro and con list because I used to do that. I used to do that. I used to make pros and cons lists and then whichever one outweighed the other one is what I selected, right? So... Right. But that that strips away all prioritization. You know what I mean? And that's... I think that you have to do some soul searching of what are your priorities and what are your problems you're willing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Because if you just make a pro and con list, you know, okay, well, on the officer side, well, what are we talking about? Are we talking about commissioning or are we talking about staying in the Navy? <laughs> I,
0: I mean, like, we're talking about
1: hole of my yeah.
0: situations. So
1: but, like, you know, so let's, let's pick your situation, right? You have a pro yeah. and con list. So the pros are you could make mass chief, you could have great impact as a command master chief. and that would be very empowering for not only you, but the sailors in your charge. Right. Right. You you could do some really good stuff for the Navy. The cons would be, you know, may potentially take you away from your family and potentially have with this podcast or writing a book or public speaking and doing the stuff you want to do to kind of develop your creative side. Right. Yeah. So pick, pick a priority. It's not really, so that yeah. list, that list of pros, right. The list of pros. I mean, I'm, I'm projecting this onto you, but that list of pros was kind of <laughs> short, right? Compared to the the list of things that you could do outside of the Navy, right?
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm struggling with. But mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely, I do the pros and cons thing in general where I explore them, but I'm more of like a, I do it by feeling like I usually agonize over things like this for a long period of time and then I get to a point where I, arrive at that moment of like peace where I'm like, something has effectively nudged me towards one or the other. And I just, eventually I pick up on it and I'm like, okay, I'm going, yeah. there, you know, and it's like, and I just make peace with it and move on. But this one's the biggest one I've ever, you know, dealt with. Cause I've never been this invested into anything, you know, like I've never well, done it'll, something it'll, for 20 years before. So.
1: I think it'll find you, you know, I think that's what happens sure, with, yeah. with, with officers too, that are, you know, Sailors that, you know, my experience is LDO and I'm familiar with the warrant program. I'm not very familiar with like other commissioning programs. I just didn't go right. through them. I mean, I've definitely served with those people, but I can't speak from any level of expertise with anybody that went there like State 21 or Seaman Admiral or, you know, all these right. other programs. Like, But what I can tell you is that the program probably finds you if you if you want it bad enough and you're really reaching out to the right people to figure out if it's a good fit for you, then you're going to know you know, it's, it's going to find you, you know, your path is going to find you eventually. Um, but what may happen is you get off path for a few years and then come back. You know what I mean? Like if you had asked me 10 years ago, if I'd ever be doing what I'm doing now, I would tell you you're crazy. Yeah. (laughs) If you'd asked me five years ago, I'd have said you're crazy. Actually, honestly, if you asked me three years ago, I'd say you're crazy. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. I I mean, I'm the same way as far as like just the whole way my life has developed all of those same thing applies like every step of the way, every major milestone. I was like, that's no, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's not what I was getting out of the Navy every five seconds until I was a chief. So it's just like, yeah, you're going to be at 20 years agonizing over (laughs) whether or not Mm -hmm. you want to do more and stay in
1: and be a COB and a CMC. And it's like,
0: get out of here. Like, that doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, you know, and the, the thing with the with a commissioning program and a sailor questioning themselves whether they should put one in or not, or maybe they are just like gung ho. I'm going to do it. You know, all of that is a season in your life. It's a it's a chapter. You know, it's um, sure. You know, I, I constantly remind sailors and really just people that you know that this is something that you're doing. It's mm-hmm. not who you are. You know, yes. so you could still be an officer and be really engaged with your sailors i mean it is possible you know what i mean yeah In fact, and it's I, encouraged it is um i
0: did an episode a while back about uh it's called uh, this one's for you it's a uh, a cs2 that uh she's one of my students and just kept very close contact with her as she progressed through the navy um she's actually making my wedding cake oh cool and uh yeah she's awesome but she uh she reached out to me about reenlisting. She's like, "I don't know what to do. Should I stay in or should I get out?" And, um, basically, the advice I gave her was uh, there was a bunch to it, but the one of the points that it, I made was like, "Look, if you s- decide to reenlist, like, it big picture, this is a very tiny portion of your life. Like, it's gonna feel like a really long time, but mm-hmm. you're not you're not committing to forever by re-enlisting one time. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. it's like." If it's something you're passionate about and something that you want to do, then do it. Yep. And it's okay to, to do that because you you need to go in it it with the understanding. that you, Like, I'm not committing the rest of my life. Like, you can get out at eight years and it's you're fine. There's no, like, you wasted 10 years because exactly. you're only 10 years from a pension, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, stop it. And that's not even true anymore anyway with the blended retirement. But it's like, It's a very tiny, tiny portion of your life to that's you're going to experience a ton of stuff and go through ups and downs and trials and tribulations. And you're going to pull a ton of life lessons from them and mature and your perspectives perspectives are going to shift to the point that it's like foundational where you're going to look back and four years ago, six years ago, be like, man, if you had told me I'd be here now, I'd tell you you're out of your mind like we're both doing right now. So it's like I feel like. You, when you look at it that way, it's it's like if you're enlisted now and you're looking at being an officer, it's like, it, you're, what are you committing? Four, six years, maybe,
1: depending on the program. It's if it's something that you're super passionate about doing, figure that well, into your calculus. That it's, now, if you want to get retirement as an as an officer, you have to do ten years uh, commission time. Right. No, that, I'm not yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah.
0: not saying necessarily retire. I'm well, saying as like an LDO a, award yeah, yeah. is a
1: little different. Yeah.
0: It, yeah. If you're applying for the LDO program, you're probably retiring at 20 years. Like. Yeah, you got yeah, to do 10. Yeah. Yeah, the more. amount of time mm-hmm. that you'll have in when you're selected plus the 10. Yeah. So it's.
1: So let's let's talk about time for a second. Going down, I have these weird thoughts when I go on runs. So. Are oh, you good,
0: man? <laughs> bear with me.
1: Yeah. So like, I have this thought process on time, right? So if you think of like time on a continuum. You spend a certain amount of time at something, and at so I'm 38 years old, right? I'm almost yeah uh, 39. So if I look back at like five or 10 or 20 years, and I I used to look up to guys that would say like, man, where did the time go? You know, 20 years just flashed by. And when I was a seaman, I was like, dude, 20 years is a long time. You know why? Because I was yeah. 20 years old, so that was 100 percent of the time I lived on the planet. You know what I mean? So if you look at it as a fraction, you know, 10 years of your life at 20 is half of your life. Yeah. And, you know, and that's probably, well, you might be 25 when you're applying for one of these commissioning programs and you're looking at another 10 years. So, yep. you know, may you do that math, but you know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> it's almost half of your life that you're signing up for at that time. Right. Yeah. Then, when, then yeah. when you're 40 and you look back on 20 years, I mean, yeah, I guess that was half of my life, but I'm still going to work another 40 years. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it, I guess on the time can continuum, if you think about, or even 10 or even 20 years and the average, you know, person lives to be 85 or 86, you know, or, eight, or even 90, right? You look back on the, those 20 years and think, well, those are great experiences and those are great foundations for what I did for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, and you definitely want to be, make conscious decisions, but don't over-identify with the amount of time that you're going to have to give to that because really in the grand scheme of things, five, 10 years is not that long. Right.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I say the same thing like to people that are re-enlisting, right? Like four years, it's not your whole life. But then I say the same thing where to sailors that are at their, like coming up on their 10 year point and they're on the fence about staying in or should I go the distance, which again, it's not as applicable anymore. But, uh, right. I said the same thing. I'm like, 10 years is a long time, man. Like that halfway there crap. Like think about, the last 10 years of your life and how hard it was and how it felt so much longer and all the things and sacrifices and all those, all that stuff. And then think you got to do that for 10 more years. Like you got to do that whole thing all over again. Are you Mm -hmm. willing to do that? And yeah, it's going to be a little different because you've promoted through rank, but it's just another, it's a different set of challenges. So it's like, uh, I say, I kind of say it both ways. It's like, that's a really long period of time to just commit because, well, I'm halfway there, and I should I should go the distance and get to that pension. It's just like, eh, should you though? Like, yeah, it's a, it's a long period of time. That like, you, like you're saying earlier, you could commit to other things that you're more passionate about, and could you yeah, if you have impact? that plan in place, right, right, yeah, if you know what that thing is, yeah.
1: I yeah, mean, again, I mean, again, again, it just goes back to uh, you know the the number one thing is. You may not always know what you're going to get into, like, as far as separating from the Navy, you're not going to know what you're going to get into. Like, you're just going to make the best decisions with what you have on board at the time, right? Yeah. But with these commissioning programs, you absolutely – like, it's an open book test. So, I don't understand why sailors are putting in packages not reading the book. It's an open book test. Yeah. Like, read the instruction – Find out what the career progression is for your path. Mm -hmm. So if that means like for me, had I really done my homework and known that I would spend most of my career or most of my time on the aircraft carrier standing officer of the deck, I probably would have thought I probably still would have done it. But, you know, (laughs) I didn't know that I dude. like so I went from standing command duty officer on an LSD to standing officer of the deck in port on an aircraft carrier and that's just part of the reality. But I didn't, I didn't do that homework, you know, and it was an open book test, you know, and I didn't know that that was what I was signing up for. I was just like, cool, another ship, no problem. Yeah. Right. So it's an open book test, know what you're getting into and then yeah, prioritize it. You know, is this something that I'm willing to, are these problems or burdens that I'm willing to shoulder? You know, I'm willing to accept that, you know, okay, eventually like for us, it's very sea intensive, So the the decision to reenlist is a harder one, I think, than the decision to put in a a chief's package or stay in the mess or go officer. Right. 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 To me personally, I think it's a harder decision because there's a a thousand different branches you can go out uh, and explore outside of the Navy if you choose to go a different route. Right. But if you're putting in a commissioning program, the information is there. You just have to do the research, reach out and talk to people like me. Yeah. Or other officers that, well, I'm not an officer anymore, but you get it like guys that have been through yeah, it. Yeah. Talk to them and then understand if that's something that's a good fit for you.
0: And with all the resources out there, I don't see how, like, what well, I don't see how anybody ever doesn't get the answers to the open book test, right? Like find a mentor, like get on there's basic mentoring. There's all these groups. There's Reddit. There's like podcasts. And mm-hmm. just
1: that's, Google that's it, the man. actual like, <laughs> That's the actual underutilized resource is conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Just so,
0: find these people and say, can I come by? Like mm-hmm. uh, I, I did. I had to ask. I just word of mouth, ask a ton of questions until I found uh, this commander that I and then I emailed him and hoped he had, would make time for me. And then we you know, had a great relationship. And I, he'd invite me up there all the time and he was super excited to do it. But you you got to go seek those people out. And in the day and age where you can just do it from your couch with your phone, it's like just
1: find somebody through those mediums. Yeah. And the the last thing I didn't talk about in the essay, because Mm -hmm. it really just wasn't probably the right form for the essay. But I think it is important to know that there are different social norms within you know, E6 and below within the mess okay, yeah. and within the wardroom, right? So, you know, if you're the kind of person that you just kind of, it's hard to know until you're there, right? But like, yeah. you know, the I, wardrooms, I get what you're saying. The wardroom has more formality. There. You know, the yeah. wardroom has more formality. So, for example, on smaller ships, they may do meals like family style, and it may mm-hmm. be that you have to call the captain to ask permission to sit and down. You can't and sit eat. down, and yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. So, there's more it's, formality there. Uh, there's more mm, – yeah, formality is the only word for it, really. You know, there's – Yeah, it's – There's a structure. It's like – yeah, there's
0: like some archaic tradition, pomp and circumstance. There's some mm-hmm. little political stuff that goes on. Like, it's definitely different. I, I've I've talked to a lot of the JOs that I've had um, on submarines and it's just like – that's the stuff that they hate the most, uh, oddly, like the crazy hours and the stand and watch and stuff like Like, But the stuff like that they really hate is like, I've got 10 million things to do. All I want to do is sleep and I can't
1: sit down and eat lunch. Are you serious? Because I'm, yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting on this
0: random human to come
1: down here. It depends on what, again, it goes back to what problems are you willing to deal with, right? Right. So, you know, that's just another example of what problems are you willing to deal with. Do you want to feel like super comfortable in your lounge area? And, Uh you know, if that's important to you, then the Chiefs Mess is the place for you where you can just kick your... Kick back, and you know you can go in and eat yeah. whenever the meal is there. You don't have to wait on anybody. Nobody, there's no rank. It's not like hey, Master Chief, right? Like if you chief me in the mess, I'm going to call you a punk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. whereas when you're in the wardroom, when I was on the aircraft carrier as a lieutenant junior grade, and the admiral came into you know or the the captain came into the the wardroom, like I sure as heck went over and asked the captain Sir. permission to eat. Yeah, yeah yep. my meal. You know what I mean? So yeah. you know. But that didn't really bother me personally. And it depends on the command. Like, I, it didn't really bother me because I kind of, I don't know, it was just part of the job, you know, like that yeah. wasn't really a hang up for me. But if it is for you, it's something you need to consider, you know, that there is going to be more, more structure to your um, comfort zone, I guess, that, you know, you would not have otherwise. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a different world. Like, and t- take the time to ask those questions and, so, I mean, really, a lot of it you can observe to just kind of watch what they do and how they do it, how they interact. And then obviously there's questions you can ask, but it's, it's yeah, it's a different world for sure.
1: Well, you may have a periscope into that because. A little. Uh, yeah, because being a CS, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. But if you're, I,
1: I an, mean my- if you're an OS1 applying for, right, you know, you know uh, what is that, 71? I'm going to mess it up. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> Well, it'd be sixty one anyway, but yeah. So if you're yeah. if you're an OS one and you've never been up in the wardroom except for like a navigation brief, I mean, you don't mm-hmm. really understand. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah,
0: no, I, for sure. And I, I, but that's another reason why you get go get that mentor. My buddy is a mm-hmm. he was an OSC that got picked up for warrant. Um, and it's like you go have those conversations with those guys and and. Uh, ask those questions like, hey, how is it different? You were a chief in the mess, now you're a, a warrant in the wardroom. How's it different? And I know warrants are kind of weird, unicorn like creatures that do whatever they want, it seems like, but mm-hmm. it's like you get to observe at least. So tell me what's different. And would I like it? Would I not? Kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, in summary, or like the, the basic advice that I give anybody when they ask me this question is, you know, yeah know what you're signing up for, be qualified to do the job prior to commissioning so as much as possible so that the detailer can put you where they need to. Yeah. And then, yeah, again, like you just said, that's probably the most important is go have those conversations, reach out, extend the lifeline to have those conversations to understand exactly what you're getting into with people that have been there and then understand what problems are you willing to deal with. (laughs) <laughs>
0: you know yeah what, man
1: what what uh what, what's more important to you is it the pay is it the job is it the emphasis on sailor development understand what's important to you and then
0: I, right and and for sure like you're saying if you're an os1 looking into the ldo program it's like i had i gotten selected as a cs1 i would have had no idea what i what i missed as a chief so it's like talk to them too go go grab some yep. chiefs and i mean you're a you're a perfect person to have the conversation with because you can compare and contrast both. But, um, but yeah, reach out to people like you or just your chiefs mess and just say, Hey, uh, what's it like to be in there? What's it like get a better understanding of a chief's job too. Cause as a, as a, First class on the outside looking in, if you've never had any experience with that, you don't know what a chief does. You know what you think a chief does because you've seen a bunch of memes. But, like, you don't really know until you go through the process no. and yeah, for do sure. the job. So, have those conversations as well. Like, what's real life as a chief in the mass? And then
1: well and in, your mentor. Well, yeah. and picking that mentor, right? Um, and I probably am a unicorn at this point because I have no dog in the fight, right? Yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, you can definitely reach out to me. I mean, I, I will talk to anybody that wants to reach out to me about this stuff, but pick a person, chief or officer, that's going to give you, you know, the best uh unskewed advice, you know, not from yeah. trying to get you on their team. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. it, it should be about you. That's what this podcast is about, right? That's your whole project, is it's about you. It's not about me trying to get somebody on my team that's the best for the wardroom or for the Chiefs mess. It's about what's the best fit for you. So seek out that mentor that actually cares about you and your development, not you know, what's best for how they, you know, what they think is best for them or for the wardroom or for the chiefs mess it should be a good fit for you because ultimately, wherever you end up if you show up there as the best person that you can possibly be, you're going to do the, mo- the most good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you show up to the wardroom and you're not super happy to be there, you're not going to do as good as you could as, um, even a, a, a very young chief, you know, you, you show up the, the best version of you. You're going to do the best wherever you end up, but you need to be the best version of you. So that person needs to not worry so much about, they need to be a good mentor that cares more about you than the program you're applying for or considering.
0: Well, who yeah, man. Hey, I think this is uh, a good place to wrap up. I appreciate you doing it. Like always. Uh, I know we'll yeah, do something cool, again in the future. <laughs> We're yeah, already working really, on it. We just yeah, I enjoy our bunch talks a bunch of lot. Yeah, man. I yeah, love man. Our
1: talks. yeah, for sure. I so yeah, I, I would just throw myself out there. If anybody wants to reach out, you know, and you can put my contact info on there or whatever. So if anybody's con- yeah. you know, considering feel it, feel free
0: to put all the stuff out again, man. Like the you do the evolution podcast, you're reachable via all the social media things. and
1: Yeah, yeah. So the evolution podcast that's available wherever you, um, wherever you stream content. Uh, we kind of focus on resiliency, but not always. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Jeff underscore Bayless underscore.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I'll put all the stuff in the show notes again. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, they can just go check that out and click on the link, man.
1: Yeah, I'm here of service. That's what awesome. I'm all about.
0: All right, that's it. I uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Always love talking to him. Uh, we usually talk for 45 minutes to an hour after we stop recording. Um, I get a lot out of every conversation I have with him. Really inspiring dude. Uh, again, if you need help with these things, he's a resource, and he's more than willing to help you guys out. So, uh, definitely strongly recommend leveraging that. Uh, we'll have another episode coming out later with another LDO. Uh, it's an interview that Chief Bob did, but um, I, I don't know how they, how into the programs piece they get, but that's another connection, right? So for those seeking those things out. Um, and then again, find a mentor. That's huge uh, for, for just success with these types of things. Uh, if you would, Helps us out. Share, like, review, subscribe, all the things on all the platforms. Uh, the more you guys share the content and review it and rate it and all those things, the more visible it becomes to people that need it. Uh, so that always helps us out. If you need anything, again, don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the shit podcast or you can DM us on Instagram or Reddit or just be active in the in the Reddit thread. Uh, We're all up in our Navy, too. So (laughs) check us out and uh, have discussions and engage us on those threads. Uh, That's a a place where uh, I get a lot of blunt and honest feedback for obvious reasons. If you're familiar with Reddit anyway, Um, it's I, I love having those discussions and I love the fact that it's so unadulterated, just honesty. So please come, come by, uh, engage with one of those threads and, uh, have a conversation with us. Uh, and then I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to stop plugging the store because I'm not going to be available for a little, for a little while, but eventually if you want to support us, do shop, you can pick, pick up some stuff, uh, help us pay the bills. And that's really it. Uh, if again, if you need anything, reach out, thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship.